Hello and welcome to another episode of the St. George's Rod and Staff, the continued exploration of faith during this time of crisis. And the crisis is deepening on all sorts of levels. Um, this is the official podcast of the Church of St. George, the Martyr of Kales, in Kales River, alongside the chapelries of St. Mark and St. Monica's. I'm joined as always by the director of our parish, Father Rodney Whiteman. Father Rodney, how are you doing today? Good afternoon to you. Um, doing fine um, through the grace of God and um, all's well with the family. So I'm very grateful and I trust that you and your family and all the listeners and their families are in a good space. Mm, hopefully. Um, yeah, so we're continuing with our themes um, that are very closely tied to the collect, actually extracted from the collect. The theme for this week is Woke from Slumber called forth to greet Christ. It obviously leads very leads he- very heavily onto the gospel text, which is the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Um, but we'll get to that later. Um, Father, why why this why why did that call out to you? I think it, I think it called out to me was the 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 thing that that touched my what's his name was that how are we meant to greet Christ? Um, greeting somebody who comes our way, coming to us, is a way of showing hospitality. Mm. But how many of us are in slumber that we do not even know when Christ comes to us. Um, we are not aware of his approach to us. I, we spoke earlier in, in, the, in, the, in our um, time before we started that God is celebrated as spirit. So the way that we are open to spirit is to, um, to respond in spirit and in truth. And so Christ comes to us through scripture. Christ comes to us through other people. Christ meets us in in crises and in experiences of joy at the Eucharist, in the sacraments. Um, in many ways, we in many ways there's an opportunity in which Christ is present. And so how awake are we to his presence? And how awake are we then to his person? Are we discerning people? Um, are we spiritually awake? Are we awake to the mystery of God? Um, to the, you know, early on your, your, your point was, so sure I do things and I achieve things. Why must I keep just saying thank you to God and others when I've not, I've done the hard work as it were. And we were saying, but, I was saying that you can't do anything to achieve if there's no continuity with others in some form of the other. Mm. So I think that um, also that it's about faith in the promise. Jesus says, Matthew's gospel has it quite clear, lo, I am with you even to the end of the age. So in response to the promise of his presence with us, uh, are we really awake to it? Or are we in slumber that we don't respond or we don't discern that, that presence? So, and then, of course, the, the, other, the other side of that is the, 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 the joyfulness called to greet Christ is that he continues to come to us. He continues to want to engage us. 
that was like a very joyful part of the theme for me. Mm. Um, and so, um, you know, for, for, for many of us, if we hear somebody's coming to visit, although we can't do much of that during COVID-19, um, with all the social distancing we have to keep, but just knowing somebody special was coming our way quite obviously gives joy to the heart. And I mm. think most people want to be awake when that comes. But Christ is mystery, so he comes to us in various ways which we need to learn how to be awake to them. Mm. Uh, One thing I like in, in the collect um, that, that you, you read just now is the in the first line, the word imminent. It's actually the immanent, um, so I-double-M-A-N-E-N-T, so not like imminent as in forthcoming, like immanent as in existing within, or like, what is it? Remain within is the actual literal translation. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's Inherent. It's, uh, in yes. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's then to kind of juxtapose against what like you said just now, where you're not really awakening to God. It like God is within you, which is then very poetic in the way I explain it to my children, um, where I tell them that heaven is inside their hearts. Um, and then my mm. son, and sorry for this little anecdote, but my son the other night, I think it was in this week, where he wanted to play, pray a special prayer and he wanted Jesus to come out of his heart so that he could play with him. <laughs> okay, interesting, <laughs> eh? Children's wayward imagination. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Father, uh, just please uh, call us into the correct mindset with the collective prayer, and I'll catch up with you after that. Thanks, Lindsay. This being the 23rd Sunday after Pentecost, we are in the month of November. Um, we're coming to the end of the liturgical um, cycle of year A. We are in the month of dedication for the parish. And we are hoping that we will all make a recommitment of ourselves to God and his church and the work of the church, even during this crisis times. So my sisters and brothers and all who are tuned in from wherever, the Lord whose works are unforgettable is with you. As we continue to praise God, we do so even through our confessions and now in the prayer that gathers up the themes of the message of the Bible. Let us pray. Imminent God, you expect us to be vigilant. In the night of sin and death, wake us from our slumber and call us forth to greet Christ, that we will follow him to eternal light through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. So, Father, the first reading is Paul's letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. I just have one point here, and he says that those who have died will be taken up to heaven. 
And then in verse 15, it's like, for this we declare to you by the way of the Lord, by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will by no means precede those who have died. So it's a very interesting kind of, like we, we spoke before this, that um, this specific letter predates all of like the gospel text and that thing. So it's kind of Paul shaping Christian philosophy um, like from <laughs> in in its infancy. And I, I, I was just struck by this where it's like, is there... Is there a an order that that we will reach heaven in, um, and like then where does that leave the idea of purgatory? I know purgatory isn't really that active like in the Anglican faith. It's more like a Catholic thing, like the idea of of a buffer zone between the world and heaven. Um, so yeah, is, is there an order in which we will we will reach heaven? <laughs> I could be honest with you and say I don't know. <laughs> Those things are beyond my understanding. But obviously, Paul was addressing an issue. What was the issue? Because he says, we do not want you to be unaware. Mm. So quite obviously, this was a way of him trying to think through some of the questions that have arisen and how do we get to that point. Uh, what was the uh, mustn't be unaware of those who have fallen asleep? Um, and then he goes on to say, "This is what our faith is about, mm. and that those who have fallen asleep." So, so th the question would be: Is it is it is it necessarily disorderly if? Those who, who died later get attention first or than those who've gone mm -hmm. first. We don't know the order of, of heaven. The point is that every one of us will have to go through the same process of, let's say, scrutiny. Mm. Um, but the responses are quite important. Um, the voice... The Lord himself with the voice of command and the voice of the archangels and trumps will come down from him. The dead will rise first. And, and that's how Paul understood this process. So does that mean that they haven't arisen yet until they, until the Lord himself comes with the word of command and the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God from heaven? Mm. Does that mean all the souls are still locked up in the grave. That's we in our, in our funeral in our funeral services we say before we do the committal, we do what is called the commendation. Mm. So we commend the soul back to the Lord. And one of the ways we do that regularly is when we say, Rest eternal grant unto so and so that have died. Let light perpetual shine upon them. May they rest in peace and rise in glory. Now, sometimes people don't say the second part that I said to them, right? Rest in peace and rise in glory. I often say that. But does it happen immediately? Is it going to happen later? Is that all? All that I can say is it's under the hand of God. What happens first, when it happens, we don't know. 
but it all depends on the Lord's coming himself. And listen what it says there, the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, for example, does that set a criteria? What does it mean to, to, to have to be the dead in Christ? Because baptism is seen as being in Christ. Hmm. So if we are baptized in Christ, um, does it mean when we die, we would also be have died in Christ and we will rise first? Is it possible that those... They are, that they are people who haven't died in Christ. And what does that all mean? Mm. Um, is this a judgment point that Paul is making? Um, so it's quite heavy theology about death and resurrection here. Yeah. It also yeah. is very heavy po uh, policy about the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because my Bible's heading talks about the parousia, which is the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is mm. this when... When the earth would have ceased and then everything goes to the grave and it's picked up by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, Jesus said he didn't even know how all of these things will work. Only the Father knew. Mm. But I think was Paul making a point about when he was saying we need you to, to, be, to be aware of what has happened to the, those that have died so that you don't grieve without hope. And mm. so it's based on your faith, the faith that is established that Jesus died and rose again, and that through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So it was really talking about the members of the community of faith and saying yes. that death is not. So probably he was trying to answer some of the things that were going on around in our day too. Death is the end and there's nothing more. And these people were struggling with that, as many of us struggle today. Is death really the end? Why before our church says why well, our belief that Jesus died and rose again, so we don't commit a person's body to the ground before we commend their soul to God mm. in the Anglican uh, funeral service. The commendation is very important. I was quite it was quite interesting one day when I couldn't do a funeral service at the grave, I could only do it at the at the church, and one of the lay ministers had to go to the grave. It wasn't at, 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 at Tales River, another yeah. parish I served yeah. in. And um, then when the lay minister spoke to me after they had come back from the grave and they were now in the hall having their refreshments, she had gone to have refreshments with them, and she said... They were all standing, and then there was this sort of um, loud praising in a, one of the corners of the church hall, mm. where um, mm. when she stopped to listen, heard these words from somebody who'd now made the declaration that he got the message from heaven that she's, the person has just gone through the portals of heaven right now, and they were praising God and jumping around saying that that's what they've got. I'm sorry now, for laughing. <laughs> no, well, well, I, I've asked myself the question, you know, where would, be, look, Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware. Then he says, if we believe. So this is about faith. Yeah. And faith is not necessarily touching the tangible. 
Mm. We believe in what we cannot see, hopefully, for that which will, will become uh, available to us. So, so how did, you know, it's like I was reading on, scrolling through the YouTube stuff and somebody had posted on YouTube, uh, but, uh, uh, I didn't want to even go there. Jesus told me the end result of the elections. Oh, wow. <laughs> but moving away so, from that, moving, moving away from that. So I just, I just want to make the point, do you yeah. understand why Paul was saying we must not be ignorant about these things? Yeah. It's all based on our faith in who Jesus is. He's the one who died and rose for us. And therefore, God does the work of dealing with those that have died. I, I like this passage, particularly if I can um, just say to you, the words, the last words of that um, of that reading, therefore console one another with these words. Mm. The role of consolation, and of course, we need to say what do we what in here do we need to console one another by? So we move from the state of challenging ignorance to the state of now being able to console one another with mm. a message mm. in the words. So I just thought I wanted to bring that in that for me very beautiful words no that that is and i mean the the preceding line is then we who are alive who are left will be caught up in the clouds together with them to meet with the lord to meet the lord in the air and so we will be with our lord forever it's very 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 poetic um but for someone like me um i think i am in the privileged position then for uh, my idea that Death is the final stroke. It is, there's there's nothingness after that. And there, I, I might be surprised to find that there is something. But um, the way I understand the world, uh, I think it was Neil deGrasse Tyson. Someone asked him how he would like his body to be treated when he dies. Um, and they were, then they went on and they assumed that he, he wants to be cremated so that he can radiate out into the universe and he was like no that's a waste of energy i just want to be covered in something biodegradable and thrown into a deep hole and then have the worms and the microbes and the insects and everything consume all of the energy that i have consumed during my time on this earth and have that return to the earth and i i still believe that is it changed my perspective on because I believe that we should all be cremated because like I live next to a cemetery and yeah um, I walk my dogs in the cemetery and there's not much room to walk my dogs anymore. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, that. it's it's going. The population <laughs> is growing there. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, look, I I think I think there's no doubt about it. What you say to me is that it would be the end of your earthly cycle. Hmm. You know? mm. But we are more than just our bodies. Yeah, but I, 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 I take comfort in the fact that I live for the life that I'm living now without any expectations um, beyond this. I'm not. It, it's like, it's like I'm not going to be saving something for the afterlife. You know, <laughs> I'm going to try and empty my tank entirely in this life that I am granted. Yeah. Well, it, it's at the end of the day going to be up to God what he does. 
This is true. Uh, but then, actually, the point that I was trying to make, I got a bit sidetracked with. Um, if you believe that all life is granted from God, then the same is true for all death will then go to heaven. So there shouldn't really be any conditions um, on like going into heaven because if you if everybody is from heaven then when you die everybody must go back to heaven surely not so why was there a condition in the garden of eden story do not eat of the fruit in the middle of the garden you see we've had this discussion before (laughs) (laughs) and i just actually want to segue then into the gospel because the gospel really brings us full circle And I'll tell you why. So the gospel this week is Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. It is the first of three parables that Jesus tells. It's the last lessons or instructions, teachings that he gives his disciples before the the passion begins. And that is where we started this whole journey of faith in this time of crisis was at the beginning stages of the passion. If you cast your mind back um, to when the lockdown first hit us. And it's always puzzled me, and I made a note, and I'm going to read exactly what the note says. It's always puzzled me that the gospel is never used in chronological order according to the church here, where like this is the parable that should, these readings should come before Easter, before like the the events of the Passion, but now we're leading into Advent, which is like, it's just, you, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, but there's something that precedes Advent that calls for why these readings are done. When they are done in accordance with the journey to the cross, Mm. right? they're going towards the cross as the the one who dies, the king who dies. Mm. Now they are read pointing to the last Sunday of a liturgical year, which is Christ the King Sunday. And now they are pointing to the one that's the king victorious. So Good Friday is the king goes to die. Yeah. Christ the King Sunday is the celebration of the king who is victorious. He's king of kings. And the journey, okay. to, the, the, journey to the cross um, is really the journey to Christ the King Sunday. Um, because the yeah. journey to the cross was not the end. Through the cross, we have the resurrection, we have the ascension, we have the coming of the Spirit. And it all leads to the culmination of the enthronement, the, uh, of the ultimate mm. enthronement mm. of the King who was willingly laid down his life for his subjects. He's now the one that is crowned forever and ever as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Okay, that that does, yeah, that ties a nice little bow on it. Um, and then obviously after you've crowned him and you celebrate him, then you tell his his story again. Yes. <laughs> so it all repeats, we, yeah. we, we are reminded, because he's cyclical, we are reminded that that same King that we crowned continues to journey with us. And so in Advent, we await him coming again, anew yeah. to us, afresh to us. And we take that journey, so we never forget it's the journey from his coming. We are waiting him, 
to his, 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 his coronation. Okay, I get it now. So the parable is the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Um, they are going to meet the bridegroom and five of them take oil along with them because it's obviously not their first rodeo and five of them don't take oil and this dude takes a very long time to get there. They fall asleep. Then he gets there and they wake up and then now the lamps have burnt out for the five and they were like, hey, give me some of your oil. And then the other five brought oil were like, no, you can go buy some from the merchants. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm telling the story in the way that I'm understanding it, where it's like, <laughs> what is Jesus really trying to say when the five don't share their oil? Like, aren't we supposed to be sharing and sharing alike? Um, it's, it reminds me of a failed relationship um, that I was in where the girl's father, they were quite religious, and the girl's father told her, and she repeated this to me, that she is a full barrel and I'm an empty barrel and that it wouldn't work because she'd have to empty herself to fill me. And yeah, I, I, I see this being repeated through this kind of sentiment. What, what's the vibe here, Father? If we think of what they had in their possessions to, to um, house the oil, it was yeah. a little lamp. Each of the lamps were the same size. Mm. The preparedness is what it was. We prepare. Let's say the two of us are going on a mountain hike. Mm. You can tell me in our preparations what. You can ask me the day of our journey. Do I have everything because this is how we worked out? But if I've chosen to be wise on my own and say, well, I didn't bring that. And then when I'm going to need that, do I now expect you to share with me? Because your state of preparedness was to prepare for that eventuality. So the point that is being made is how do we live our lives in a, in a state of planning and preparedness? Mm. You know, you know the, the context there is that nobody knew when the bridegroom would arrive. You had to wait for the for the for the coming of the bridegroom in that context. Mm. And and you then had to plan and prepare in such a way, make sure that your lamp is full enough because you don't know when it's going to run out, just how much you need to take with you, and how long will the oil last. So it's all about preparedness and not about sharedness. Preparedness comes in the sharing. If we all spoke together and said, look, this is what we shall do. If I was too lazy to do it, does that now mean you have to help me get there? Because if I give you a little bit of my oil, it may mean that I'll never make it. But in the context of the story, they, they all fell asleep. And then they now have to relight their, their lamps. And then clearly the five who took extra oil had enough oil because <laughs> the dude is there. He's like coming. He's, he's there. Everything's happening. And now it's like, why? Surely we need to be able, like if we had to, using, using your um, example, if we had to go on the hike and I was maybe a more experienced climber than you, I'd know 
what I can survive on, like for the trip. So then I would like I I can only speak from my perspective here, and I'm failing to see because then it like goes further on where it gets even more brutal where. They now go with, with the bridegroom and then those other five go to buy the oil and then they come to the party and then the door is shut and then they like, truly, I tell you, I do not know you, <laughs> which is a brutal way. So like the problem, the central problem that I have with the story is, okay, like I know this is Jesus kind of drawing that line in the sand. Um, because of the three, they all like indicative of, or they speak to the journey that he has, like on the Easter weekend. Um, I yeah, I'm I'm not strong enough on on this kind of theology to, <laughs> to to decipher exactly how it fits in. But yeah, why 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 are we suddenly going back into like the the hardcore, um, like if you're not faithful enough, if you didn't prepare enough, like there's no room at the table for you. Well, I think all of the sharedness happens during the preparing stages. Mm. I, they don't tell us here that these five and foolish and five wise uh, were coming from different angles, different places. It would seem as there must have been some kind of co co conversation with them. Yeah. Um, it does inform us that the, the wise ones brought flasks of oil with them. This obviously had to be seen by the so-called foolish ones. Why mm. are you bringing extra oil? Would, would that not have inspired, should that not have inspired the foolish ones to say, you know, I'd better go and get some for myself. Mm. What made them become so lazy about their own responsibility? There's a level in which we can share with each other but there's a, the level is extended to where you need to take full responsibility for your own life. Yeah. So yeah. if the wise ones knew that extra oil was needed because ultimately you don't know when the bride is coming, should their example, because they had flasks that was carried openly, why yeah. could these foolish ones not have seen, oh, I better get, and if they didn't have any money, somebody could have given them the money. But why did they not? Why was there the reluctance? And you know from experiences, I do, that there are some people who will ride on each other's backs. Mm. And we feel the burden of that. And you would say, you know, why do I always have to carry this department? Mm. Why is nobody else realizing that they've got a, a, a level of responsibility? I have it currently in my re responsibility as archdeacon. Mm. I send out mm. email messages expecting that my fellow clergy will respond to me and say, thank you for your email. I'll be there or no, I cannot make it. This is my reason. Quite simple. Yeah. But the next day or two days later, coming of the day that the event has to happen, I have got to phone them now. Mm. So I'm asking myself the question, am I being the wise Virginia, who mm. as the day of our meeting draws nigh, and I've, I've been, you know, when you write your emails out in, in Google, they tell you, you can actually go and look there, what kind of mood are you writing your email yeah. in? <laughs> <clears throat> and in, according to the mood that was given by Google email, was that my mood was quite a friendly one. Yeah. 
So I'm asking then, why is it that my brothers and sisters were not were reluctant to respond to me? Um, is the responsibility of the diocese only Bishop Margaret's? Is the responsibility of the family only the wife's, the wives? Mm. Is the responsibility of the parish only the rectors? Is the responsibility of the archdeaconry only the archdeacons? Isn't all, aren't all of us supposed to ensure that our canisters are full enough so that we have enough to reach where we have to be mm. at our next junction? And, and my email, for example, pl planned and prepared this. I would like to meet you on that day. This is how many people I would like to see. This is the proposed venue. This is the proposed time. This is the proposed agenda. All you needed to do was say, I agree or I don't. So why is it that some of us are reluctant to do that part? I, I suppose in our lives, we do often act sometimes like the foolish virgins, mm. where we think the responsibility is on others. And if I don't have, another will give me. Yeah. Um, I can always say, if I don't have enough bread, Lindsay's wife would have put in extra bread for those that may not have added. You know, you know that's how some people work. My mother yeah. used to put in six slices for yeah. me because my friend never brought bread to school. Okay. So it's addressing laziness, I think. Well, it's there's always a story idleness. behind laziness. And I want to know, where's the redemption in this parable? The redemption in this parable was the example of the ten virgins. As they journeyed towards the place where they had to be, their flasks of oil was with them. Hmm. That should have been the key eye-opener for those who did not take an extra flask. For me, that was the, the example the that... Where's the redemption for the, for the five, you know? Because now they can't even go to the party. So, so not only were they... Is, I, not I only were they... Yeah. Not only were they lazy, but they were also blind and deaf. Wow. <laughs> um, I, my, <laughs> I instantly reject these kinds of stories because... It's for me, it's clearly like patently a a psychological um, it's a psychological tool where it's like it's it's encouraging mindless faith. So it's like there's there's no other way to get into that door besides this specific route. So it's like, all of us aren't going to walk the same path. All of us, like I said, like just now, uh, there's always a story behind laziness. Like I am it, a lazy person. I am terrible at email, by the way. <laughs> okay, let's come back to your example of giving advice about the, the purchase of a product such as a laptop. Yeah. You are... You are one of the wise virgins on these apparatus. Somebody like myself comes to you and say, Lindsay, you know more about this than I do. Can you inform me un under what you are doing? What would be a good product for my business 
This is the nature of my business. What would you recommend I do? Hmm. I wouldn't have come to you if I didn't have some background to what you actually do. You give yeah. me that advice because it's interesting when you read the story. Um, after they had asked them for the oil, the ten wise virgins, the five wise virgins say, "Go instead to the merchants and buy some for yourselves." Now, it doesn't tell us whether they had money or not. It just yeah. tells us why they went off to buy it. Right? Now, those merchants were opened earlier on. This advice comes to them when they realize after they'd fallen asleep and woke up that their lamps, the oil was not going to be enough. Hmm. So the question for me here is there was opportunity. The same would be if you, if I don't take your advice and go and then now let somebody else tell me because he wants to make a sale and this is cheap and that's better and I get a different view of what my computer would be. Knowing that I've got my advice from you, I'm going to then ensure that I buy a product that is based on proper investigation. Mm. A salesman may not necessarily have mm. that. You review the things. You would be the best person to, to come to dress with that. The same in a classroom setting. Not everybody is, is of the same in a class of 30. Mm. Yet we are taught by the same teachers. We are taught from the same textbook. And, and yet the results at the end of the day is not the same. How mm. do we assess those who've made it to the pole but, and those who have fallen short of it? All that we get on our reports is pass and fail. Now, was there not enough investigation? If, if, if I'm a student, and, and yet I do agree with your argument, there must be a reason why they were lazy. Mm. So there must be a reason why some children pass and some children fail. Why is that not addressed while we are journeying together to the end goal of passing the exam? Why then, at the end goal, does somebody tell me, you better go to the merchant now and buy some oil? Mm. So that means you're going to have to sit a second year in that class. Nobody has given me a sense of an opportunity to learn so that I can pass that class together with the rest of my, my fellow students. And there are many reasons for that. I mean, I remember being in a class standard three when the teacher read out all our results. One of my dear friends was the only man who, who failed that year. My heart breaks when I think about that story. But you know what? I never knew that. And that he was not doing well until the final exams. Mm. So did these sisters not know they should have asked along the way towards the end goal. And Jesus says at the end of that story, stay awake for you know neither the day nor the hour. Was that always the intention of this story? Quite that at night time, <laughs> nobody lights your lamp during the day. Your lamp is needed for the night. But when you don't know the hour, 
when things will eventually kick up, you then need to sure you need to stock up. You need to prepare. You need to address your laziness, your procrastination, or, or your lack of wisdom to, to make proper assessments. Um, and it's not as if these other virgins, the five wise ones, were selfish. They said, well, why don't you go and buy at the, at, the, at the merchants? Almost as if to say, if you do that, you'll still make it. Mm. They then didn't know. So it's not as if we can judge it's what we need to say is that um, all of us must seize the opportunity to ensure, you know, like, for example, if, if, we, if we, the two of us are on this mountain trip and we're saying that by such and such a time, we've got to be there mm. and I'm lagging behind because you are the more experienced one and the wiser one, you're going to stop, you're going to ask me, uh, did you have a sip of water? Are mm. you tired? Do we need to rest for five minutes? But remember, at that time, we've got to be there, so we've got to push it a little bit. Mm. So, so for me, that, that happened in this story. But some of us will resist even such kind of advice and encouragement. Mm. We don't look at the example and we don't recognize that people were helping us. Maybe I can't give you what I have, but I can point you to what you need to go and do. Yes. Yes. No, no, a fair point. I'll, I'll concede that one. Um, but again, like I, I, I just was, I was mulling over something in the week or last week. Like I have these weird thoughts sometimes where, so we have chickens and when one of them is broody, like we we currently don't really want more chickens. We just kind of want eggs. <laughs> so we always try and find where they're nesting. Um, so like I will go and I will go look in all of the places where you can hide. And I mean, we are in 5,000 squares of property here. So there's a lot of places you can hide. But the chicken is never in the place where you can hide. It's always like camouflaged in quite plain sight, just you couldn't see it. So my question is, does a chicken have a sense of what it looks like? <laughs> so it can find a place where that matches it okay. so that they can blend into the... And then, like, the other thing is, we are the only creature on the planet that needs to learn how to wipe its own ass. So, mm -hmm. like, in all of our cleverness, we've actually reached this point where um, we have opportunities for laziness and we pass these judgments where it's like it's more a symptom of excess and how that excess is hoarded by certain people who are spoken to be or seen to be more industrious in, in inverted commas. Um, and I just think that idea of existence is completely wrong. So what is the gospel what is the gospel lesson then trying to help us understand in light of what you are saying? When we think of us as human beings who are supposed to be as intelligent as they come. Mm. That within us, there's a sense of resistance 
to that which we don't think will gel with our lives. Mm. And whilst we think that it's better for us to be self-centered, what we do miss out is, is the fact that in self-centeredness, your resources will dry up, your view will narrow. Therefore, you will then, in arrogance, limp along rather than begin to say, what health is out there so that I can replenish my resources? I can build up my, my life again. Mm. Any worldview that is self-centered can never be centered because centeredness means that we are part of the whole for me. Mm. Self-centeredness means I'm taking away and making myself the center of all things. Mm. And in this universe, there is no way that I can be centered on myself. But when being centered in community, I begin to find myself in a whole completed, more completed way that if I was just centered on myself and my own worldview. Um, so I'm much more stronger when I'm with you than I am on my own. And it's with you that I'm able to move from my laziness and my procrastination to where I'm beginning to do things for myself with you or with you. And as, as I do it with you, I'm doing it for myself. That, that will be the benefit of it at the end of the day. Mm. Now, even though animals are not as wise as we are, we think mm -hmm. that chicken has got an instinct of survival mm. that perhaps you and I don't have as strong because we have accumulated so many things that we that we invest in, assumedly that will give us a certain amount of protection. Mm. What does the chicken have to protect herself? when she's laying an egg, and to protect that egg. She's got an instinct of survival, mm. way beyond our imagination, that you with all the brains can't find where the egg is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what just... is that saying? Yeah. But it's also like, you 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 play the game of life but the the, the game is it's, it's stacked against you like i just use use my own example like i've been in the media game for like studying and working it's going on two decades now and i was reflecting on this with a friend of mine where it's like we both studied journalism and everything that we invested that money into um studying and achieving whatever is meaningless now. Like, like the world has changed so rapidly that those hard skills pays you pennies. Like I went through the last two months of like hard lockdown, just surviving on the word economy. And that is not surviving, <laughs> you know? So all yeah. of the, your, your hard skills that you've invested in aren't paying off now because the, the world has changed. So like the chicken only exists in the environment that we've set up where it's like you give us eggs, we give you shelter and food and whatever, like 
your instincts is just to lay the eggs and procreate and all those things. And where like we've developed these elaborate complex complex societies that have taken us yeah. so far away from just because all I want in life is to work, to do something, contribute to society, get paid for that contribution, and have that be able to sustain my family relatively comfortably. <laughs> like the comfort is relative. Um, we've obviously all had to learn lessons now about like what that comfort does mean, because obviously all of our budgets have been affected through through this time of crisis. But like here I see Jesus is saying you have to live a certain way to be down with to get into heaven where I'm coming at it from a perspective of like I don't believe in this ideal. I have different things that I believe in. So therefore I reject this whole idea of like I I, I see the psychological trick that's being played from my perspective. Um, so so that's that's why I, I don't think I'll ever have like a resolution when it comes to this kind of parable. Yeah, but then what what would be when Jesus tells this story, what what's the what are some of the major themes that um, are important to a worldview that you hold? I mean, it's quite obvious that growing in in wisdom is far more essential than allowing foolishness to get the better of you. Mm. So the pursuit of getting to know things, your worldview is a worldview that says need but not greed. Mm. So you build up enough wisdom in a changing world to maintain and sustain that understanding that life is about need and not greed and that need brings us a certain amount of comfortability. Greed takes us out of a comfort zone and gives us a false illusion because we must now protect the accumulation of greed. Mm. So wisdom is a very important part of this story. And where will wisdom bring you? Wisdom, wisdom will bring you to the point where you will find the door open rather than locked. But if you want to, and, and look, Paul, Paul addressed this thing mm. when he says, I do not want to leave you ignorant. Your modus operandi in your work is, I'm the opinion guy because I don't want to leave you ignorant. Mm. I am wanting to expose you, having tested the things myself and making helpful, helpful suggestions to what may actually be the better product out there for you to consider. So wisdom is something, I mean, many of us buy things accumulate things that at the end of the day we never get to use. Is that wise or foolish? Mm. So it, wisdom is, is, a, is, is a thing that I think is being celebrated here. And how do we actually, you know, is, is it wisdom here 
And I think a, a large amount of wisdom is common sense. Large amount of wisdom is taking notice and listening mm. to the context. And so from this story, we gain that sense. When you, when you, when you act foolishly, when you choose not to take responsibility, when you don't open your mind to grow so that you can make better decisions, you will find that in life, the doors that you knock on will be closed. Mm. So, so too on our spiritual and heavenly journey. We are not meant to be, and I think Jesus addresses this thing in his gospel teaching, that it's not about being, um, uh, um, um, I mean, the, the stories of, of parables are heavenly wisdom, heavenly truths caught up with earthly stories mm. so that we can become wise, not just in the ways of the world, but wise in the pursuit of life beyond where you and I may consider it to be the end. For God, it's not. So I think that this story is of, a, of great value mm. because even with the worldview that you have, that to learn were there, but did the foolish seize them? And you and I know how easily opportunities go through our fingers. And <clears throat> you were talking about an ever-changing world. This is an ever-changing context. It mm. was be quite, quite easy if we know that the bride is coming at 6 o'clock. We would have been in that doors by 6 o'clock and, and the lamps would still be trimmed and we would have been in light with others. But the doors only open when the bridegroom comes. And in this context, we don't know that time. Mm. So was the opportunities to learn here not available to all? I think they were. Mm. Just how many of us take notice thereof? You know, coming back to your little, your little boy's prayer, as he thinks through the stories you're telling him, heaven is within you, within your heart. He goes further and he really longs to see this Jesus who is in heaven. And he sees this Jesus as someone who is, who, who as a little boy, is looking for a friend. Mm -hmm. And so his imagination takes him to the next level of what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. I, I want him in my heart, but I also want him to come and show himself to me sometimes so that I can actually engage him yeah. as well. As he grows up, he will learn what the depth of it means that is in our heart. So I think the opportunities for learning is there. Do we seize mm. it? Or do we deliberately remain foolish? Mm. Well, when you say it that way, it makes a lot of sense. And I thank you for that. And if you could just call to mind another couple of points of reflection for the week in the prayers of the church. Uh, under the prayers of the church, which is normally seen as a response to the word, a spiritual song that we would sing as an interlude to the prayers 
is called stay with me. And as we ask the Lord Jesus to stay with us, we celebrate him as the bridegroom, calling us to celebrate the wedding banquet of his love for the world. In this, we ask you, Lord, to keep your church ready and willing to welcome you in heart, mind, and deed. Give us grace to shine as lights to your glory. Our prayer is to rejoice and be glad in the Lord and to trust in his mercy. We call on Jesus who calls us to live in readiness for his kingdom. So we ask you, Lord, to grant to all who take counsel for the nations wisdom to look beyond the immediate and to prioritize by the values of your eternity. So may your righteousness flow like a river. We ask Jesus to grant us his generous mercy so that we can make strangers friends and unite all people in common wealth. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for our warring madness and the violence that is so often employed. Let us experience your peace and the flourishing of your justice. We bring before you, Lord Jesus, all who are injured, maimed, and scarred by warfare and aggression, praying that you would bind up our wounds and send forth your healing spirit. And so we hold before you all souls in life and regard no one with contempt. Bring into your kingdom all who have died in this past week. And at the last trumpet call, raise us to your eternity. As we continue to explore faith in the time of crisis, our prayer during the crisis brought about by COVID-19, we pray, author of life, healer of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, give us wisdom to find relief, faith to be responsible and grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. As we um, listened to the spiritual song that brought us into prayer called Stay With Me, our, our prayer is also inclusive of the prayer for Africa, which is sung by Sibongele Kumalo. I encourage you to go onto YouTube to listen to that. And so in conclusion of this podcast, which is a real um, faith encounter for me with Lindsay, with God in our midst, we give thanks to the Lord who is always gracious and whose mercies endures forever. My brothers and sisters, let us go now and follow in the footsteps of those who have gone before us in Christ. Let us revere the Lord. Let us serve God in sincerity and faithfulness and teach those who come after us to trust in God. 
So may God protect you along the way. May Christ Jesus keep you alert and prepared. And may the Holy Spirit feel the lamp that guides your path. Always go in peace to love and serve the Lord. May we do so in the name of Christ. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you very much, Lindsay, for your ministry in this podcast.